Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Hey, speaking of prayer, I want to I want to begin this with prayer today. I want to I want to take a few minutes and pray for something I believe is really important as we begin this series called Fire in Our Hearts, second week as we dive into the book of Acts and we start to talk about the church. I felt compelled this week to say we need to pray for the church in our city uh, and the capital C church, like the churches across our city. And I, I, just, I just was praying about that and I thought let's just actually pray for specific churches, specifically churches that are within close proximity or ones that we have relationship with. And, uh, and I'm just going to pray a prayer. And you can go ahead and throw that slide up. For, these are some of the churches. We could pray for hundreds of churches. But these are just some prayers, prayers for churches that I really just thought, hey, let's just mention these by name in prayer. And, uh, and just ask God to really, the, the thing we're praying for our church, right, that there would be a fire in our hearts that spreads and consumes and takes over the life of, of our body, that it would happen in these other churches, because it's going to take all the churches in our city to see revival in our day. Are you all with me? And so we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. And I just want to mention this before I pray. There's actually one of these, uh, a group from one of these churches represented in the room. They're going to be here for just a few more minutes, and then they're going to serve in the city. But Britain Christian, uh, they have a youth ministry here up in that balcony. What's up, y'all? Love y'all. So glad you're here. Um, all right, I'm going to pray. Y'all join me in prayer. Just bow your heads. And you might even want to open your hands as we pray today. Father, we just want to pray for your church in this city. We pray an active prayer of renewal among <clears throat> the believers in our city. As we pray fire in our hearts in this church, we pray it over the church of, of the city we live in. Specifically, we pray over these churches that we have on the screen. I just want to mention them by name. We pray for our friends at Skyline Church, <clears throat> our friends over at the Vine. We pray for Frontline Church downtown, Trinity Baptist, OKC here on 23rd. We pray for Life Church and all their campuses throughout our city and all they do. We pray for Thrive Church and their new church planning journey a couple years in. We pray for Britain Christian, Lord, and the work that they do with Alpha and other things. We pray for Paseo Church right here on 23rd Street. We pray for Disciples Church, Disciples First Church up on 36th. We pray for People's Church and all the influence they have throughout the city. Summit Church, our friends down on South OKC. Antioch, our friends down in Norman. Crossings Community and the impact they are making throughout our city. St. Luke's Methodist, Koinonia Church, our friends who are planting and Trinity Baptist out in Yukon and all of our friends there. Lord, we know we could pray for th hundreds more, but those churches by name, I just, I just pray that you would birth a fire in them, Father, that cannot be contained. Lord, did you do that? We asked it for us. We ask it for them. We want to pray in unity, Father, for the work that you want to do in our city for the sake <clears throat> of those who don't know you. And so, God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you do a mighty work in your capital C church and that, Lord, we'd be a small part of it. That would be great. God, we love you. We pray these things in your name. And everyone said? Amen, Amen right? Amen. That's good, right? It's good to pray and take uh, just some time to, to know that we're not alone in this journey. Well, uh, you all ready to get into God's word today? Yeah? You can open your Bible to Acts chapter 4. Uh, we are on week two of this new series we're calling Fire in Our Hearts. And to start 2023, we have been declaring 2023 is all for him. Meaning we want to say, God, this is all yours. It's all for you. We're all in all the time. And so we are wanting you to say in your heart, Lord, it's all for you. In fact, I'm going to make you say it right now. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all for him. It's all for him. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. For the next several weeks, we're going to explore some of the stories and themes that we find in the book of Acts. 
And I know a lot of you began the Fire in Our Hearts devotional plan this week. How great was it, right? Like, how great is it to see people in our church writing these devotionals? I've loved it. I've, loved, I've been so encouraged. They've been opening the word to me, and I love it. I hope you're doing it. If you're not doing it, you need to get on it. There's no timeline, but 28 days reading plan through the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke. Most of us know who Luke is. Luke is the guy who wrote the gospel of Luke, right? And he decided that after he told this story of Jesus and all that had happened through the life of Christ, that he would continue the story by talking about what happened after Jesus ascended to heaven. And he wrote what we call the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And he wrote this because he knew that he had already written about the greatest story that has ever happened on the planet Earth and that will ever happen. That is Jesus coming to save all of humanity. And he said, I'm going to continue that story, but I'm also starting a little bit of a new story. It's the new story of this new Jesus-following church. Now, Acts, if you think about it, is the story of the original church planters. This is the OG church planters. If you aren't familiar with inside church lingo, when you start a new church, it is called church planting. And we, at this church, is a church plant. We are about 10 years old. We planted this church, a group of, you know, ragtag dreamers banded together, right? That's how it all begins. And we started what this church is today almost 10 years ago. And literally, we started with pretty much nothing. We were not, you know, we didn't have some big financial backing. We didn't have some organization that was the safety net. It was like, Live or die on the vine. We're just going to see what happens. We're going to go for it. And that was what they were doing in Acts. They were starting churches in cities and in communities. And it was a thrive or dive type thing. It was a fizzle or drizzle type thing, right? It was like go like fire. And, and what we know, we know this if you've been around church. What happened in those churches is the consuming fire of God took over. And they spread across the world. So let's get going with Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It begins with this word, all. Everyone say all. All, all the believers were, in one, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That is a beautiful verse. The statement, one heart, one mind. I'm not going to make you talk a lot more, but look at your neighbor real quick and say one heart. Look at your other neighbor and say one mind. If you looked at the same neighbor, you broke the rules. One heart, one mind. We need to get on the same page today. It starts with the way you talk to your neighbors, all right? And we have seen God answer that prayer time and time again in our church when we've prayed one heart, one mind. One of the prayers we had early on, Christy and I prayed, is that we would see people come to this church and they would have a kindred spirit. Sort of that one heart, one mind. I actually pray, Lord, I don't want to recruit people to this church. I don't want to convince people they're supposed to come to this church. Would you just draw them in through the bond of unity? That there would be something about this place and about what we're doing here that people would feel connected to. And we've seen that story time and time again. Maybe you've had this story where someone comes in and it's like their first week. And I don't know what it is, but I just feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is home. Or they come and they're here for a little while time. They're like, I've never felt church family like I've felt it here before. Or people that have come and said, I never really thought I was going to get really involved in church again. I was hurt, but I've been healed. And this place is where I want to be. And there is a kindred spirit building in the people here. I don't know if you have that story, but I feel like it's one story that God has, or one prayer that God has answered again and again. And I'm so thankful for that because that kindred spirit 
That one heart, one mind is a powerful thing, isn't it? It's a powerful thing. And this passage speaks to another powerful idea. I'm going to read it again. No one claims that any other possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Everyone say shared. shared. I'm going to come back and teach a little bit on that phrase uh, of, of owning possessions in just a minute. But I want to pause and celebrate what God is doing in our new vision that we've called Shared. How many of you remember shared? Raise your hand if you remember what shared is. We talked about it about five or six weeks ago. I'll throw, yeah, it's up here already. And you guys remember this vision we cast. And, and, and what we said is this is a ministry of the people of this church for the people of this church rooted in Romans 12, 13. That says we will share with one the Lord's people in need and we will practice hospitality. And so we kind of said, what if we just did this? We don't know what's going to happen, but anybody want to help? Can I just celebrate the incredible work that's already happening? Like we had over, you guys are clapping. You haven't even said it yet. Hold on. We'll celebrate in a minute. One heart, one mind. Let's do this. So we've had, we had over 60 or 70 people on that one day let us know that they wanted to help lead shared, which is an amazing response. Could have been more. We've had many more say, I'll do whatever you need. I'll do whatever I can. I'm in. So right now we have like a visionary team that we put together that they are coming together with plans and processes to help love people in our church family. We have a group working on a resource bank to where we have a bank of resources that will help anybody in need whenever they have it, whether that be people that know how to do certain skills or people that have certain access to things, financial things. All those sorts of things are coming together right now. Plus, not just behind those things happening behind the scenes where people are actively working and we're communicating all the time. But just in the last few weeks, we've been able to help several people with, of course, practical needs, daily needs, holiday help, financial assistance, repairs, prayer, and best of all, family, unity, and love. Like, here's the deal. We know there's a million ministries out there that are doing things. We're just saying, how can we be a better family? How can we be a family that says we care about one another and we're going to share with one another and we're going to normalize this idea of sharing? We're going to normalize it in such a way that, you know what, it's not abnormal for you to ask for help because we're family. And so here's what I want to say. I want to kick the door wide open once again for anybody that needs it. If, you, if you're in a season, you're like, you know what, maybe shared is the answer for me. Maybe shared can help me with the difficult circumstances I'm in right now. Shared doesn't always have to be financial. Just yesterday we had someone in our, a mom in this church get a, get a basketball goal built for her fifth grade son. You know, that kind of stuff is happening just because it's like, hey, we can help one another. And so the website, if you want to go check it out, if you're like, maybe shared can be the thing for me, okccommunitychurch.com backslash shared. We just updated it gives you a little bit easier way for you to kind of let us know what's going on. Now, can we celebrate all that God is doing through shared, right? So prayerful for its future, right? So they shared with one another in need. Okay, let's go back to Acts 4.32. It says, no one claimed that, th- that any of their possessions was their own. Everyone say own. I want to talk for a few minutes about ownership. We see a very specific thing happening early on in the book of Acts. People are radically using what they own for the purposes of God. People are even selling their land for the sake and the cause of Christ. There is a redefinition of possessions and ownership happening in the early church. And I think it's worthy of note. Because what they began to see is possessions became possibilities. Don't you like that? Possessions became possibilities for God to use it for his glory. And ownership wasn't just about possessions. Ownership became about the fire in their heart. Like there was something that was starting to possess them. Something new was coming into their heart. Here, I have a random picture for you today. You guys remember this? 
You guys remember the $5 foot long? Well, here's what's crazy about this. Here's what's crazy about this. Is several years ago, Subway tried to own the word footlong. Like they literally went to court and battled for ownership over the word footlong because apparently they thought that word was distinctly connected to their sandwiches and that no one else should be able to say the word footlong without paying them because nothing else in the world is a footlong, apparently. Plus, they wanted you to think about, when you think about feet, they wanted you to think about their sandwiches. <laughs> ah, feet, eat fresh, Subway, right? Um, <laughs> so here's the deal. They lost, they lost, they lost, the, thank goodness, they lost. But that would not surprise me and probably nor you if they would have won because we know in today's world people can own anything. Like there's a whole legal category called intellectual property where people have an idea and they think I'm going to own that idea. Nobody can have that idea. That's my idea. Understandably so. And we've seen this other one. You can go to the next picture. You've seen, like the, you've seen this on everything, right? This is a mark of ownership, right? This is a mark of ownership. And it actually means Tim Manning, by the way. Because... <laughs> I actually bought the trademark for trademark, so I pretty much own everything. It's, it's a thing. Don't worry about it. It's, it's real, though. Um, but we all want to own something, right? Like either we want to own a house someday, we want to own land someday, we want to own a Tesla at the end of our life, whatever, right? Today's world, everything is for sale. People even sell things that they don't own. You ever seen the commercial where you can purchase the naming rights to a star? Y'all know what I'm talking about? You can, you can purchase the naming rights to a star. So guys in the room, this is a good idea. You'd be like, honey boo, I got you something. You see that one up there? No, no, the other one. The one behind that one. You're one in a trillion, baby. That one's for you. <laughs> hey, I looked it up. It's $44.95. Inflation has not, inflation has not hit the star market. And there's a guarantee, there's a guarantee no supernovas on these stars. You didn't get that because you don't know what a supernova is, but look it up. Look it up. So I'm, I'm kidding around, but I'm, I'm not suggesting a boycott on possessions. I'm not suggesting that Jesus says, if you follow me, you have to give everything away all the time. That's not what this is about. But I know, because I know that some of us are, I mean, there is good, plenty of good in owning things. How many of you are glad that you own clothes? I mean, glad you're wearing, I'm glad you're wearing clothes right now. Like, right? So ownership is not bad, but I want to back up because there is something going on in the story of Acts that we have to take a look at, we have to take notice of, because it has everything to do with what matters most to us. When we go back to, uh, let me just paint the picture up to Acts 4. I think we know this story, but just in case. Acts begins with Jesus having a meeting with his disciples. He says, hey, you're about to get the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to be my witness. I'm going to read this in Acts 1.8. Huge verse, critical to our identity as a follower of Christ. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus says, so he says, I want you to spread that good news. I want you to tell the city. I want you to tell the world. I want you to tell your neighbors. Tell everyone. And this becomes the new mandate for the disciples. And it is traveled all the way to today, and it is now our mandate, right? This is who we're supposed to be. This is partially what God has called us to go and do. 
And after that moment in Acts chapter 1, when we turn the page to Acts chapter 2, what happens is exactly what Jesus said would happen. The Holy Spirit came, and it came upon the people. And in Acts 2, 3, and 4, we read it this way. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Everyone say fire. fire. We're getting fire in our hearts. That separated and came to rest on them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, just think about this. The Holy Spirit comes on them, and immediately, if you know the story, they go out into the city. They go into the city with the Spirit, with the fire of God resting on them, and they became witnesses in Jerusalem. Sounds a lot like Acts 1.8, right? By the way, pretty soon after that, they became witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Thousands in the city decided to follow Christ that very one day. And in the coming day, thousands more. Revival fire had come upon the city through the church. So that's why we pray for it. That's why we pray for it here. So later in Acts chapter 2, later in Acts chapter 2, we're, we're still at the beginning of the book, right? We get the first glimpse of how this new faith in Jesus and this new power of the Holy Spirit was changing people. Acts 2, 42 through 47. A lot of us know this passage, but maybe we'll take a little different spin on it today, all right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. So we kind of have that one heart, one mind thing going on here. Here's that idea again. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, this is the poster verse for community. This is the poster verse for get in a small group, right? Like you got to have community in your life. And community is certainly alive and active in this passage. We're breaking bread. We're getting doing life together. No one stands alone. But this verse is about way more than having a killer small group in your house. It is about ownership. It's about owning something you care about. Ownership meant something new to those who were choosing to follow Jesus. It meant something new. Something changed with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. And we love to read about that in Acts. We're like, wow, man, that's cool. They prayed together every day. They broke bread in their homes all the time. Like, we like, we're inspired by that. But we have to ask ourselves a real question. It's great in Acts, but what about today? Should it be different? And what should ownership mean to us? Because we love to own things in today's world. We love to own our, our vibe. We love to own our personality, our identity. We're like, you be you. Like, that's the whole thing, right? But we also love to own things, possessions. Like, we love to own these things. I mean, have you ever seen a two-year-old fight for what's theirs? Like, we love to own things. And for the early church, confessing Jesus as Lord was shaping everything about their understanding of owning things. Things were just less important. Possessions, they were just possibilities. There was a new fire burning in them. They weren't consumed with consumption like so many of us are today. 
They were consumed with the fire of God. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29. What does it say? It says this. Let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. He consumes us with the fire that refines, purifies, and takes us into a new place with him. Fun fact about my wife, Christy, is that she's a really good cook. Uh, she has the cooking thing down. She does a great job with it. And anytime Christy is cooking like for real, maybe like holiday cooking or something like that, our three wonderful, you know, beautiful daughters get in the kitchen with her. They want to learn how to cook, right? They get in there with her. And it's really like, it's really like when they were little, it was like a super cute thing. It's still cute, but not as cute. Right? When they were little, though, they'd put their aprons on. They'd get in there with mom. It was, it was such a cute thing. And anytime, and I would always hear about it because anytime they would help, of course, we'd sit down at dinner and they would want to make sure. They would kind of be looking at me like they were like, if they ever took the lead on a dish, hey, Dad, what do you think of the salad? <laughs> I made the salad. Hey, Dad, what do you think of the cake? I made the cake. Hey, Dad, what do you think of the Kool-Aid? I made the Kool-Aid. And it was like, that's cool, you know. And usually this was okay, but every once in a while this was not, this was a little bit concerning, especially with Addie. <laughs> when Addie was young, you never, you never knew what was going to happen. Because one time I saw Addie, she's maybe three years old, she's eating mac and cheese, she puts the mac and cheese up her nose, pulls it out and eats it. So how many of you know I don't ever want to hear, hey, Daddy, what do you think of the mac and cheese? I made the mac and cheese. Like, you just never know. But here's what I think, here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is my girls, they like to have a part in making dinner. Grayson, no thanks. But the girls, yes. And they want to claim they did something to make dinner happen, right? And they want to, they, they, essentially we could say it this way. They, they want to take part in the ownership process of creating something good. You could say, oh, they didn't just eat the meal, but they actually created it. They owned the cause of dinner. How many of you that owning a cause is a good thing? Yeah. Right? And so what's happening in the book of Acts is that story times 10,000. Right? They are owning something. Ownership has grabbed a hold of their hearts. And the only thing that mattered was Jesus. They were willing to do anything and give anything. You, you understand how radical that is? Willing to do anything and give anything. They were redefining ownership. And, it, and, and, and honestly, we need to do the same because we cling to possessions while they were letting go of them. So we have to ask ourselves, where and am I, what is, what is the most important type of ownership in my life? How are you doing at owning your faith? How are you doing at owning the cause of God's church? How are you doing at Acts 1-8 and owning what he's called us to go and be? Those are hard questions, aren't they? Because what happens is our life, our life comes into a stark contrast to say, oh, my goodness. I thought I was on fire, but I got a long ways to go. We must own what matters most instead of things that matter less actually owning us. I wonder how many of us feel owned by the process of owning things. Credit card bills, car payments, mortgages. We work really hard to own stuff in this world. Am I saying that we shouldn't? No, I'm saying we just need to ask ourselves really, really, really hard questions about 
our faith in Jesus. Let's go back to Acts 4.32. The wording of this verse has inspired this message, right? All the believers right there in the center, all the believers were in one, were one in heart and mind. That's the title of today's message in case you're taking notes. But I want to read what's around this passage. You can go to the next one. This is a prayer. This is happening during a prayer moment where um, the believers start to pray. Peter and John in chapter 4 had just been released from prison um, after they had been scolded for healing a man. And the believers come together and they start praying. So imagine we're picking up some of this prayer and it says, Now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Everyone say boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. If you really break that verse down right there, this is why we pray healing in the name of Jesus. That's why when we say, hey, if you want any healing today, we're going to come over you, but we don't have any power, we don't have anything, but we're going to ask the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus to heal you. And we've seen, I continue to hear stories of people being healed in Jesus' name. In this church, physically healed. It's amazing. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all, everyone, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were in one heart, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord. Can you imagine? They're just continuing. You don't understand. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. How many of you feel like that's a church on fire? How many of you feel like that's a church on fire? Right? Man, that's why we pray for it. That's why we go after it. Because we read these words in God's holy word. And we believe that what he did then, he wants to do again. So I want to summarize this type of ownership that we're seeing in these believers in the book of Acts. Uh, three things that I want to show us. And we'll go through this rather quickly and we'll be done. But number one, they were united. All were one in heart and one in mind. Just so you know, that word united means a lot. It means so much. It really is the, the reason behind a lot of the things we do here. It's the reason why we do 100 hours of prayer. It's the reason why we say, let's do a Bible reading plan where we read everything together. It's the reason why we do Monday night prayer. It's the reason why we're starting Alpha tomorrow night as an act of unity for the sake of people who need Jesus. It's the reason why we have over 250 people that will come together in groups this week. We do it for unity, right? It's the reason that we call you to serve and to give and to pray and to live in community. It's all an act of unity. Do you understand that? Like kindred spirits who have received the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to go and be witnesses in Oklahoma City, in Oklahoma, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. Are you all with me? Unity is not a good idea or a nice sentiment among believers. It is an essential quality of any church that wants to experience the power of God. We have to be in unity. And it's a great gift from God. 
The second thing these early believers did, these original church planters, second thing they did to own their faith is they were bold in their prayer and in their witness. They were bold in their faith. Earlier in Acts chapter 4, I mean, that's where this scripture is that we're reading. This is where this prayer was. Well, just a few verses earlier when they were still, John and, and Peter were in prison. There's this famous kind of moment where it says this in verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Once again, everybody say boldness. For they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When you have been with Jesus, your boldness will increase. The fire in you will get hotter. That's the work of Jesus in your heart. He does nothing other than that. He just makes you better. He builds the passion in you. He starts to change you from the inside out when you've been with Jesus, your spiritual temperature will rise. The, old, the early church was bold in prayer. What did it say? God, stretch out your hand. Do mighty signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. They were bold in their prayers. They were bold in the way they witnessed. Verse 13, or excuse me, verse 29, I believe. Yeah, now Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. I gotta imagine, for most of us in here, we long for more boldness with our faith. If anything was like, if we were going to be really honest, we're like, man, I'm, whew, I'm not that bold. And boldness doesn't mean, just so you know, it doesn't mean aggressive. It doesn't mean in your face. It doesn't mean picket lines. It doesn't mean judgment. Sometimes Sometimes the world tries to perverse things and they take a really good word like boldness and they're like, oh yeah, that person is bold and in your face. Listen, when the people of God, Peter, John, when they were bold, the people that saw this passion, this fire, this boldness for Christ in their life, they looked at them and they were like, whoa, these dudes are not who we think they should be. They're, they're supposed to be ordinary, but they're not. And they took note of them because they had been with Jesus. You understand that people will recognize the boldness in you because you've been with Christ. And then the lastly, the early church owned their faith by demonstrating a visible cost. Their faith was costly, meaning it's a real cost, not an imaginary one, but it's worth every penny, minute, and mile. You see, the truth about today's world is we have a good, a feel-good faith that's out there, right? That's what gets preached a lot doesn't want to tell you that your faith is actually going to cost you. Following Jesus is going to cost you. Feel-good faith is so prevalent in today's world. It wants to teach you that God is all about you all the time, that God will coddle you and carry you like an infant through all the days of your life. It wants to tell you that, hey, God, the good, you know, the feel-good faith wants to tell you that you can just eat what you want every day, all day. We're just going to continue to feed you the things you like to eat. But the Jesus faith, the Jesus way, it says, I will grow you into a mighty man and woman of God. One that understands that this world is broken in need of people who are willing to pay the price for the sake of the gospel. It's going to cost you things in your life. 
It's going to cost you reputation. It's going to, it's going to cost you saying no to that opportunity because you know it's not right. It's not what God wants. It's going to cost you things along the way. If your faith doesn't cost you, you have to ask yourself, am I living a life of very much faith? And so what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is faith will cost you not just in possessions. Faith will cost you so much more than that. It doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's worth every penny, every minute, and every mile. Every time. It's always worth it. Jesus is worth it every time, no matter what it costs. And I hear stories of people in this church, they're giving away cars, or they're giving away, they're giving away money, or they're giving away their time or their expertise. And I'm so moved by that because that's what we want to see is like a community of people saying, nothing that I have is mine, it's all God's. Everything I have, all possessions are just possibilities. When we say 2023 is all for you, and we mean it, if we mean that, my guess is you will have things happen this year that you didn't expect to happen. You will give away things you didn't expect to give away. You will serve in ways you didn't expect to serve. You will pray in ways you didn't expect to pray. You will read the Bible in ways you've never read the Bible before. When you truly say, God, this is all for you. I'm giving it all to you. Everything that feels costly is worth it. So imagine, imagine a church, right? Imagine a church with a faith that is united, bold, and costly. How many know that's a church on fire? That's a church on fire, right? That's just straight fire all the time. Where people will look at that and go, wow. They're just ordinary people. They don't got a lot of special training. I don't think God's like, I don't think they all went to seminary. I don't think. But would you look at them? They must have been with Jesus. So what about you today? Do you have Christ in you like this? Do you need Jesus to come and rule your life? Do you need to step in and unify as the church? Because here's the deal, a lot of us disguise ourselves as unified when we sit in the seat, but at the same, but while we sit in the seat, we're flying solo in life. Do you need to surrender to a bolder faith? One that says, you know what? I'm gonna start praying for things that I can't do on my own. Do you need to surrender to the cost of a generous, trusting faith? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just right now, I mean, I know it's, it's kind of like we need all those things. But if you're like in my spirit right now, that's the one I need. I need to, I need to step into unity. I need to step into boldness. I need to step into, into this costly kind of faith. If there's one this morning for you that you're like, that's where this needs to begin. I need all three, but I'm going to start right there. I want you to pick one. Pick one right now and just say, you know what? I'm here. God's brought me here. There must be something he's trying to say to me today. Which one is it? I want to pray for us, and I want you to pray for this in your life. So would you bow your heads? We're just going to pray. We're going to create some moment right now, some time to just reflect and pray. Holy Spirit, come upon the people in this room and rest on us or whatever it is that you're leading and stirring in our heart right now, I pray that, Father, you would stir it even more. I actually want to invite anyone to, today, I want to boldly invite you to surrender your life to Christ. Because before you can join the cause of Christ, before you can own the ministry of Jesus, you have to surrender to the person of Jesus. You have to confess to God that Jesus is Lord, 
and that Jesus is Savior. Jesus actually said that. He says, there's no way to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Acts 4.12, in that same chapter we've been in, Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found. Salvation is found in no one else other than the name of Jesus. There is no other name under the heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus. The Bible says today can be the day of your salvation. Listen to me. Everybody listen. Eyes, eyes closed, heads bowed. It is no accident that you are here today. God has appointed this time for you because he loves you. He sees you right where you are. And he wants to take you forward in that next step in your life. And for some of you, it's to have a relationship with you. He wants to show you his ways. He wants to do a special work in your life. And it begins with you receiving his gift of salvation. So if you've been searching and questioning in your heart, today's the day that you can say, today's my day of salvation. You can pray a prayer with me in just this moment. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You can it's a prayer of surrender and commitment. It's not about the prayer. It's about the heart. If your heart is surrendered, if your heart wants to commit, you can do this right now. It's your line in the sand moment. It's your stepping across the line of faith moment. The Bible says that he'll forgive you of anything. You can start clean. You can wipe the slate clean of the past and start fresh with Jesus right now. Remove all doubt, shame, sin. Jesus will do that. So let's just pray this prayer. If you want to give your life to Christ right now, if you want to receive his gift of salvation, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Just whisper that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Just repeat this with me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now say, I confess I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness. I confess I'm a sinner and I ask for forgiveness. Jesus is inviting you. Now pray. I received your gift of salvation. I receive your gift of salvation. And I surrender my life to your will. Thank you, God, for saving me. Everyone's heads bowed just for one more moment. If you just prayed that prayer today, then you know the Bible says that you, you need to be bold with that. You need to, it even says that we should acknowledge it before others. And I know everybody's eyes are closed, but I'm looking. And if you want to start, this is a really baby step. If you want to start and be bold and acknowledge it before someone else, I want to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand as I, right now as I say one, two, three, just lift your hand. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Several hands. I love it. God, I just pray for those who are lifting their hands right now. Would you just seal this moment in their heart? Would they, just, would they just know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, Lord, you love them, that you're for them, that you've saved them right now? We just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And, Lord, I want to pray for everybody else in the room. I want to pray that, Lord, we would have one heart, one mind, united, bold, costly faith, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. As we worship in just a moment, this altar's open. Our prayer team is here. Maybe you need prayer for healing today. We want to pray in the name of Jesus. Maybe you need prayer for a need. We want to pray for need. We want to pray for breakthrough. We want to pray for anything you need. Or you may just want to come to the altar on your own. Just surrender your heart to him and say, God, I want to be united. I want to be bold. I want to, I want to enter into that costly sort of faith, God. I want to own the cause of my faith. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? Stand with us as we worship and respond over the next several minutes here. Just respond any way that God's leading you to respond. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. 
If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.